following is an exclusive presentation from Sports Radio 92.7. WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations, because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. All right, so Mac and Bone Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We got to talk Jordan. We got to talk legacy, multiple different ways to talk about his legacy now that he's selling this team. What Nick Wright was arguing, Bone, is that his overall legacy is tarnished because he failed as an owner. And the graphic, and Chris Broussard was ready to, he was about to throw a fit um, uh, at any minute there. What the graphic showed, because obviously I realize it's radio and he's saying, look at the graphic, and we might need to explain the graphic. It had this on the screen. It said winning percentage of Michael Jordan is 13 years as owner, not 15, 13. Fifth worst, 45% fifth worst in the NBA. Um, Playoff appearances in those 13 years. Three, second worst in the NBA. Uh, Playoff series one, zero, worst in the NBA. And playoff total games one, three, worst in the NBA. I don't think there's any denying when you just strip it down. The basketball was nowhere near good enough with Michael Jordan as the owner. What are you thinking, though, Bone? And his ownership legacy and his legacy to Charlotte we can discuss here in a second. What do you think about Nick Wright getting all worked up saying this hurts Michael Jordan's overall legacy? You've got to – this has to be a part of the of the whole legacy discussion. I'm pretty sure that doesn't – this is not going to factor into what we think of Michael Jordan the player. I don't know. I think you could easily separate these two things. I don't see any way – that the failings of Michael Jordan running a basketball franchise has anything to do with what we saw in the 80s and 90s. I just, I don't, I never thought that ever. I've never thought, oh my goodness, Michael Jordan, the businessman, is going to affect Michael Jordan's basketball legacy. I never thought that one second of my life. The the athlete, does does a coach, Mac, if a guy goes into the coaching and doesn't do well, does that affect his legacy as a player? I'm, I'm lost on how that all correlates together. Magic Johnson? Like Jason Isaiah Kidd, Thomas, Matt, they, Jason, tr- they tried coaching, didn't work Jay, out well. Jason Kidd hasn't had the best coaching run, right? Does that take him out of the, the great point guard discussions? No, no not, not at, at all. all. No, I, I, th- I think, I, I think, I think John, you, John Elway, Mac was up and down, and in, in, as an executive, does that take him out of no, the great quarterback? Because people can separate the two. That was the key thing you said there. It's pretty easy to separate. Goat as a player, nowhere near to goat as an owner. And he was trying to argue that Michael's whole aura, right, is is that's part of the whole package. It's like I, I don't hold it. Do you hold against Magic Johnson when he tried to coach and it was terrible? Isaiah Thomas. I, yeah, just those are yeah, the two yeah, who came to mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah, those are the two that came to mind for me. We don't hold it against them as a play. Like I just feel like it's two separate things. And other than Nick Wright, I feel like everybody out there is capable of separating the two things. Is it a little? Is it embarrassing? Like I, I do think it showed that Michael is flawed. Because when he played, I do think we kind of we deified him. Um, I do think we almost looked at him as perfect. Like you and I have both said the same thing about being in his presence before at that golf oh, tournament. It's, it's like your it, knees buckle. We're around a lot. We've been around like a lot of different athletes and great athletes. Nothing's ever felt like being around Michael Jordan. Like it just feels like it's even human. So I do think it humanizes him. Like oh my god, he was he was pretty bad at something, but. In terms of, like, my legacy wasn't built on, like, he's perfect as a human being. 
Like, my opinion of his legacy was strictly as a player. As a businessman, his legacy is amazing. Something that 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 uh, I've been accused of not saying enough today, and I, I want to, is, you know, the char- the charitable stuff. I mean, what he does, make a wish. He's like the, he's like the top oh, contributor ever to make a wish. Unbelievable. What he's stuff. done for Charlotte. What he's done with street turkeys. So, like, it's just, it's this one aspect of him. I'm not trying to make it out to be bone that Michael Jordan's failing in a lot of things in life. I think there's one thing he failed at, or two, really. The personnel evaluation part, and then the overall ownership part. Like, that, those are the places he's failed. I can't find really any other part in life that the man has failed at. I don't understand. Like, we're going to do, we're going to, like, his legacy is diminished because of that? No, he's, he's human, man. Three playoff wins in the run. Three playoff wins. They're on the streak right now, Mac, of seven straight years without being in the playoffs in an actual series. That's the longest streak in the league by three years right now. It's terrible. The Kings had it for a while. But listen to these numbers right here. When you think about the lack of success, but where they were picking every year. Look at the pick numbers, Mac. I'm going to go back to 2006 because that's when he was with Bob Johnson and he was responsible for Adam Morrison. Listen, Mac, to the yearly pick numbers that they have in the lottery. Three, eight, nine, twelve, nine, two, four, nine, eleven, eleven, twelve, three, eleven, thirteen, and then two this year. They're in the lottery every single season. And still not be at the top. When you go through those, Mac, look where guys like Giannis were picked and Kawhi Leonard. You can still find some players at the end of those lottery picks. They're they're not all one or two, I know, but even the the, the six, the elevens, the elevens. How do you only have three playoff wins in that time period when you had that many high picks? Yeah, it just goes to show how bad the drafting's been. And he was personally responsible for a fair amount of it early. He did, as Richie Randall said, he did kind of step away more with Mitch Kupchak. And Mitch Kupchak, obviously, LaMelo, Mark Williams, there's been some of the second-round picks, you know, that he acquired as well. Unfortunately, some of the guys that Mitch picked, Bone, Although Monk was not Mitch, right? Monk was pre-Mitch. Oh, I thought Monk. Wa- I thought Monk was Mitch. Was he not? I thought it was back. Wasn't it back when Chin, Clifford, and MJ like spun a wheel to decide who got to t- <laughs> to uh, do the pick each year? I, I, what what year was that flight that Monk got picked? But anyway, I'll uh, look it up. Uh, some of our draft picks have gone on to be good lately elsewhere, and that's kind of frustrating. Uh, but I, I don't know. His, it's his overall legacy. I don't think many people across the country are like down. Like they may make jokes about him as an owner, but he's still viewed as the baddest man ever to play basketball. What is his Charlotte? Like what's his Charlotte sports legacy as an owner? Like I've seen multiple people say his legacy is the worst owner in the history of major sports in Charlotte. Is that there, fair? There's some, compl- is that fair? There's some complex things to go through there, right? Cause you have George Shin. You have Jerry Richardson. Tepper is is relatively new to the whole thing right now, but you have some you have some complex guys, both personally and then professionally, to try to analyze their their legacies. We did it with Jerry Richardson a couple months ago. It's a little bit complex, even Michael Jordan, because again, like people are saying, look how much money he got from the business side of selling this thing compared to the money that he bought it from. So it's hard to say he's a complete failure from that angle. But no one cares about that but him. I know, but you know what I mean? I'm, like, I'm, I'm repeating you, what the Texers are saying right but now. But, like, re- really, like, uh, fans out there really, like, want to applaud him because he made a mammoth profit? I think like, they're saying— That makes it worse to me, is that he personally gained almost $3 billion, 
and we gain nothing but headaches and frustration. It, it makes it worse, and it also goes in line with the feeling that we had, which is, does he care more about money and winning as an owner? Because we know he cared more about winning than anything when he played. Was it that important when he was an owner? It didn't feel that way all the time, did it? And why, So in a super team era, what, Mac, where guys are trying to team up, and we saw it for the last, basically since 2010, the way it's done now, why, why, why could he never attract anyone with his name on the franchise? I think he thought, and we thought when he took over, hey, man, guys are going to gravitate. Big-name coaches and players are all going to want to be a part of MJ's ownership, and it just never it never happened. This it dude never says, happened at all. This dude says, Bone on here celebrating MJ's profit. When's the parade? Do we all get to have a parade to celebrate his $3 billion profit? I was repeating what a lot of texters were saying about the word failure. They're saying it's hard to call a guy a failure when he made that much money on the other His side. His basketball yes, team basketball, was a failure. Basketball, we don't fa- care. I agree, basketball failed. Do yes. you realize any boob that has a ton of money, and I guess you're not a boob if you get that much money, but anybody that buys a sports team bone is going to make money? Like, yes. The, the, it's, it's, it's like buying real estate. Like the, 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 the value of sports teams is going through the roof. By the way, you want to know how crazy the value of sports teams going through the roof is? Forbes valued the Hornets at $1.7 billion last December. He didn't even sell the full team and got $3 billion. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Yeah, just how in a much, couple months. How much more are they worth than what Forbes valued them at? So anyway, I, like, like, great. Every owner makes a big profit. Great. I don't, I don't, like, he's great at business. But as a basketball, as a sports owner in this town, he was bad at the thing that fans care about the most, and that is performance on the court. Now, is he the worst? I have a hard time calling him the worst owner ever when Bob Johnson was his predecessor. We got named Bob's cats off of that. Got named the damn team Bob's freaking cats, for God's <laughs> sakes. How damn self-absorbed is that? That would be like a guy naming a radio show after himself and for years working with a co-host and just keeping that name. I you know, like I, Mac Attack or something. I, uh, I couldn't live in a world like that. <laughs> I couldn't do it. But anyway. The egos of these guys that have a lot of money, right, Finder? Bob, Bob Johnson did not endear himself to – did he endear himself to anybody here? He took shots at the business. Remember when he did that? Took shots at the business owners of Charlotte. How are you not helping me? How are you not uh, buying sponsorships? How are you not getting involved? And it's like because you – and I'll never forget that time that I interviewed him. It was back on the old Penner and Mac show. We interviewed him in person. It was right after he bought Pender, the team. Pender got his name on that show pretty quick, by and, the way. And he did not – he wouldn't even look us in the eye. It was just – I got a weird feeling talking to him that day. I just – from that day on, I didn't really trust him. And He's got to be the worst on the, on the West. He has to be I think worst. so. Although this texter brings up, how are you defining worst? Because George Shin as a human being and Jerry Richardson as a human being, I would argue, were the worst owners that we had. That goes into you calling it complex, I think, right? That's what you were alluding to. Because they brought the franchises here that we're talking about. So there's that weird, we're not saying they're the best individual human beings, but in terms of bringing the franchises here and the successes that they had in their time, it's hard hard to separate. We're not ranking them as human beings here. We're ranking them by what did they bring? Was there success? What was the financial success? There's a lot of stuff to unpack there. I'm just talking about... Shin brought the Hornets here. Richardson brought the Panthers here. And we can discuss them as humans all we want to, but they brought the franchises here. They also brought shame 
too. They did. There's you know, a, again, they like right. that's that's got to count against the the winning. Like, there's no doubt Shin is by far easily the most successful owner on the floor. It's not even close, right? I guess he's the best Hornets owner ever. But like you said, it's complex. It's not straightforward. There is something to be said, like you're saying, for both these guys bringing the teams here. Too. It's just, man, it's we we got a weird ownership history with these two franchises. Yeah, and I very think, convoluted and, and 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 weird, and not the greatest. Who's I think uh, <laughs> David Tepper's got a chance to be the best if he uh, is around long enough. Because I think David Tepper's got a chance to win a championship, Mac, with one of his two teams down the line. This Somewhere, is, I'm not saying like I just mean Tepper owns two franchises here, and I think they're both going to be successful going forward. So I think Tepper's going to put a run of success here together. This texture says Tepper's the worst, but doesn't really give any information as to why. I mean, he's just getting started. I'm not saying it's yeah, been it's, a great yeah, start, but I do think he's learned, and I do think there's reason for optimism that Bone has. Another texture says, how are you going to put Michael Jordan below George Shin and Jerry Richardson as owners? Michael Jordan's charitable efforts in this town are absolutely off the charts. He brought people back to the hive. He brought the Hornets' name. George Shin and Jerry Richardson made me embarrassed to be a Charlotte sports fan. Uh, you should be embarrassed by the lack of winning that Michael Jordan brought here as well. I mean, I know that's a little bit different type of embarrassment, but are we acting like are we acting like Michael Jordan just blew it out of the water? No, I you think won he's, three playoff games. I think he's three. I think they are. I think that particular texture is just simply trying to elevate them above the guys who left here and had to sell their teams in That's shame. why when the you question know? was asked, I said how complex it's going to be to analyze each individual for their good and their bad, their failures and their successes. There's a lot to go that goes into all these guys. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. I wanted to transition with this question, though. Still getting off the bus, but also allowing us to get to Carolina stuff. Because I was talking about this on Charlotte Sports Today. How divisive the second overall pick is with Charlotte. Anxiety is through the roof for Charlotte Hornets fans and Charlotte sports fans right now. I feel like this is more divisive than the number one pick was with Carolina this past season because the number two pick, it's pretty clear. We have people in the Scoot camp and we have people in the Brandon Miller camp. And I can't make anything of these reports. We know nothing. There are so many different things flying about. J.J. Redick, he has a comment on his podcast about people are telling him that Brandon Miller is somebody the Charlotte Hornets really like? Do we have that sound right now? Go ahead, Troppy. Play it from J.J. Reddick talking about this. My intel is saying that Charlotte really loves Brandon Miller. They view him as a tier one prospect. 
there's a fit, there's a need. There's just not many guys that are NBA ready at six eight six nine that can handle the ball and shoot the ball, and he does that. And I think what separates him relative to a lot of the other top prospects, I mean, you have to go all the way down to basically Taylor Hendricks and Grady Dick and Jordan Hawkins, who are later on in the lottery, before you start finding guys that can already shoot the basketball. So he's talking about what he's heard from scouts and why people might like Brandon Miller. But there's also a huge contingency saying Scoot Henderson should be the number two pick and saying they're hearing great stuff about Scoot. So it's it's it just seems so much more divisive. The anxiety seems so much more high to me mm-hmm. about this number two pick for Charlotte than it does for the number one overall pick leading up to the NFL draft. And I was thinking just in recent Charlotte sports history and maybe beyond, has there been anything more divisive than the second overall pick conversation we're having Wes anything you can go to I'll push back a little bit on the on the NFL draft because it was a lot of people I felt like the closer we got to the draft it started to fall in line but I did feel like coming up there were people in different camps just from different things that I would listen to or hear with different Panthers fans there were fans who liked Anthony Richardson. There were fans who liked Bryce Young. But again, the knocks on Bryce Young were definitely there pre-draft. So people were kind of going back and forth with the quarterbacks that they liked. And a lot of people liked C.J. Stroud. With this pick, I also think, though, again, it's been huge because uh, the main thing is I, I think if there were two, if the two guys played a different position than LaMelo, if if we didn't have a point guard that was in the mix of this. I think it would be a little different, but the fact that you've got a point guard that there would be maybe a lot of uh, change as far as just unorthodox lineup is concerned that many people view it that way. But I think if we were picking between two forwards or a forward and a, I guess a traditional center or a forward in a new age NBA center, I think it would be a little bit less divisive I guess maybe people would just go by preference which position they wanted but I think the fact that if you bring Scoot in there will be so many more storylines to add on top of that whereas you draft Brandon he's more of a traditional NBA wing a lot of people feel like that's what the Hornets need so I think that plays into it as well but certainly a lot of uh, polarization on both sides on both uh, sports leagues well and I think I think it is emphasized because you only have two guys in consideration. You're not really talking about the Thompson twins. It's always been Brandon. It's always been Scoot. And that was even confirmed after we got the second round of workouts here. It's confirmed. It's going to come down between both of these guys. And it's the least surprising thing about this entire pre-draft process. Because you have a 50-50 split, and maybe it's not even 50-50, but there's only two guys in consideration. With the number one overall pick this past draft, I don't think he had the same kind of vitriol. I also think it was Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, and Bryce Young. I think it was maybe divvied up into thirds. Yeah, it's some Will Levis in there. I think more than a, a sliver. Com- yeah, I think it's been a little bit more than a comparison to the Thompson twins. Maybe there were some people in the Levis camp, but not many. Colin brought up 2011, Cam Newton being the number one overall pick. Yes. Yeah, I could absolutely see it. I had the same argument, though. Because in 2011, you had people in the Nick Fairley camp. A lot of people said he should be the number one overall I pick. I remember that. Then you had the Sports Illustrated article. Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, or Cam Newton. So you had different people at that one position on top of, we shouldn't even draft a quarterback right now. 
Maybe there are still people believing in Jimmy Clausen. Maybe there are still people just not wanting to go after Cam because they didn't think he was the guy. So, is that, yeah, there were a couple people in that draft, like A.J. Green, Patrick Peterson, Von Miller was the second pick. Yep, I, so I remember just, the most just it being uh, fairly okay. But, and, and he's right. If you're just talking about huge conversations surrounding a draft, 20, 2011 is up there. I just think when it comes down to splitting hairs between a, a certain number of prospects, it feels like this is even more divisive because you only have two guys that are realistic options. And in 2011, there were, there were a lot of fans bringing multiple names to the table. Yeah, and also you add the trade element in, even though you don't necessarily think this is going yeah, to be a, a, a viable thing for the Hornets to do. But there's also that in. They've talked about all-star players at stake here for the number two pick. So I think that adds to it as well. But uh, I agree with you a lot. There's been a lot going back and forth, and we can't get a read on anything. So that's made it exciting, but also very polarizing nonetheless. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Let's bring in Will Kunkel, Queen City News, Charlotte Sports Live, Panthers pre and post, fresh back from a trip overseas. He's a worldly man, that Will Kunkel, and he's back with us. We've been after it here behind the mic, talking about the the Hornets and the draft and MJ selling the team and all that good stuff. Let's start with the big story late last week that Michael Jordan Jordan finalizing the sale to become uh, the minority owner. And we got Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin taking over. What'd you What'd you think? What was your reaction? I I think we all kind of expected it. We you know we all heard rumblings in the business for a long time, and it kind of came to fruition finally. I think it's about time, too, and I think we're about to hopefully see a real change in the guard, the way this team is operated, who's in that building, who's going to be out of the building, and, and winning hopefully becomes a priority. Uh, you know, I think it might take a couple of years like it did with David Tepper coming in, and he you know, he ran with Marty Herney for a little bit, he ran with Ron for a little bit, and then he put his stamp on the team with Matt Rule. That failed, and now he's got Frank Reich and a whole new regime in. So it's going to take some time, probably, but the good thing is with basketball, it's a lot easier to build a roster because it takes one or two guys to make your team good versus football. You have to find a quarterback, which is really hard. And you got to find, you know, about 17 other positions to make you good. Yeah. Well, that's it. There's no question about that. So in terms of what you think can be changed, I got Pete Gwelly coming up in about an hour and 15 minutes. He and Mike work closely together and he had a great statement on Twitter about all the things that Mike did. Right. Um, and I'm, you know, all those things were, were true. But in terms of the next group, anything you anticipate, anything you hope to see, what what are you looking forward to? I think number one is the mentality of the way you are able to approach free agency. You have to be able to bring somebody in, not just on a bargain deal, not 
throw, you know, hoping to catch lightning in a bottle. But if you want to be good in today's NBA, you've got to pay money. Like that's how it works. You you don't get good players on the cheap. So I'm hoping that the new regime comes in and says we are willing to spend money. Maybe not whatever it takes, or like the New York Yankees or the Dodgers or that type of style, but we want to spend more than we've been spending because we want to be competitive and we know that's what it takes. So hopefully the days of Mitch Kupchak saying, hey, we're Charlotte, we're a small market team, we're never going to catch a big fish, hopefully those days are over. Will Kunkel, Queen City News, Charlotte Sports Live. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Um, Not only have we now been debating Scoot versus uh, Brandon Miller, Last week, while you were, just generally speaking, while you were out, the Pelicans and Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram got injected into that conversation. At this point, I don't know how likely that is, and I don't think it's going to happen. In fact, there have been reports that uh, they're not going to move Zion. But what did you think about that? And should that be on the table? Do you think that's something that Mitch Kupchak should look into? I am always the guy that you look into everything. You answer every phone call. The way Scott Fitter approaches his job over on 800 Mitch Street. But with Zion... You don't answer that phone call. You don't take that conversation. You take the next one. Like, put that call on block. That deals with the five years of $194 million or $49 million, whatever it is, hasn't even started yet, for one. And two, he can't stay on the court. He's not healthy. And he and it doesn't look like he's – we all know he's not really in shape, so it's not like he's putting the work in off the court and he just can't stay healthy and it's a lot of bad breaks. It's bad breaks, can't stay on the court, unlucky, and – doesn't seem to be putting the work in. So I'm not buying this whole deal of change the scenery and everything will change. That When you play the, if this happens, then I'll do that game in life in general, you will not be successful. Yeah. All right. So uh, come Thursday night, Scoot or Brandon, where are you? I think they'd go Scoot. I don't know that there's a huge difference, honestly, between the two of them. We were talking to a scout um, on Charlotte Sports Live, not on the show, but just kind of some of the people in the building were with contacts and, Say neither one of the guys are major difference makers. You, you know where the Hornets are. You want to get the best player. That would probably be Scoop, but you know he's one of those guys that doesn't make guys better around him like Lamelo Ball does. So you want to have Lamelo Ball in the building as well. Brandon doesn't either, but he's got that. He's a much bigger body, and that's something that the Hornets need. So I, I mean, I think they go Scoot. It's, it's truly it's unfortunate that the Hornets are picking so high in a draft that is not loaded with a little bit more talent at the top. All right, let's talk Panthers here for a couple of minutes. Uh, OTAs, you, you were gone for part of it, but, um, you know, it's OTAs. We shouldn't draw too many conclusions, but there are usually some interesting things to talk about. What, what lit you up during OTAs? What uh, interested you the most? Man, so I've been thinking about this the last few days, and I was going to do a post on it, and I was like, you know, maybe I'll save it for training camp so we get more attention because something's going to change between <laughs> now and then. But I'll tell you what it was. I watched when I was in training camp, when I was down at training camp a couple of years, last year with Matt Rule, and I was watching a certain position group, and I was watching the coaching going on, and it was kind of not real in-depth. It wasn't hands-on. It wasn't very teachy. And I'm sitting like, all right, well, you know, it's the NFL. Maybe these guys kind of know most of the stuff, so, like, whatever. You know, I didn't think too much of it, but I did think it was less than what needed to be going on. And then I watched OTAs with this new group, and I watched the same position group, and it was hands-on. It was teaching. It was, this is why we do it. This is how we're going to do it. This is the reason we are going to do it all. And then if you didn't do it properly, you went back and did it again, but you were told why you did it wrong, how you did it wrong, and how to do it correctly. So it was a much different mindset and a much different approach with the coaches to these players. And that was my biggest takeaway. Like I, I'm not sitting there looking at the not, balls knocked down by Bryson. I'm not watching all that stuff, any of that stuff. That's 
going to happen in the game. Like that, who cares what happens even in training camp, honestly? It's whatever happens in the game. But the approach of the coaches to these players, these players are going to be coached, some of them, for the very first time in the NFL. And it was a massive difference between what was going on a couple of years ago. Uh, so I was I was super impressed. And, I mean, I was locked in listening to the coaches, too. That's pretty cool. Now, you, there's some guys on this roster that I do think they're counting on because look, there there aren't Super Bowl expectations this year, right? They're not they're not a move away from a title. So I think there are some guys at a couple of positions who are going to get a chance to prove themselves this year. And you, I think you and I both generally agree on the names, but Brandon Smith, linebacker, um, you know, I'm looking at a guy like let's say Tommy Tremble at tight end, uh, Raheem Blackshear's having a good year, a good off season, so we're told, uh, so on and so forth. Is there a guy or even a couple of guys that you're looking at, second year, third year guys that you think might have a chance to really pop and solidify themselves this season? I mean, Yitor Gross Matos, like he has the chance because that position across from Brian Burns is wide open. And if he doesn't hit now, he's not going to hit. So this is his moment to make his career or you know, just kind of be a journeyman around the league for a long time. And I hope he can for obvious reasons. It'd be great to have a homegrown guy, you know, from a draft standpoint in there and somebody that takes the reins. But I think that's the name to watch. We had some people on Charles Sports Live that cover the sport. They think that he may not make it through training camp. Like they might just cut him if he can't produce throughout camp. And I, I don't know that that will happen because that's how wide open that position is. But watch out for Yitor because he needs to do something. Uh, yeah, some might say that, well, some might say that that should have been last year. No, I mean, exactly. And and at some point, when do we say, all right, it just, it's it's not happening. Yeah. Will Kunkel, Queen City News, Charlotte Sports Live. We appreciate you, brother. Uh, Welcome back stateside. We'll be seeing you soon. Thanks, brother. See ya. You've tuned into Instant Replay. When the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.